This is the Gartner Podcast for Supply Chain Leaders. Hello, and welcome to the Gartner Supply Chain Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Caroline Chumakov, and each month we sit down with some of Gartner's best thinkers, innovators, and leaders to share with you timely strategic insights and tactical tips you need to drive supply chain success. And for today's session, we're going to explore strategic initiatives that drive 36% higher financial returns, 9 percentage points higher EBIT margins, and a 12% increase in employee discretionary effort. And no, I'm not talking about agile teaming or hyper-automation. Today, we'll be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And joining me today is my wonderful colleague, Dana Stifler, to chat about DE&I and supply chain and some groundbreaking research in the space. Dana, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Caroline, I'm so pleased you invited me. Thanks so much. Now, Dana, you and I have been working on the 2022 Gartner and ASCM Supply Chain DE&I report for a few months now, and it's planned to publish on Gartner.com very soon. Gartner clients, I highly recommend you check out Dana's recent research on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which can be found on Gartner.com or via the show notes. And I want to start the discussion today by asking a question that I think is on the minds of many CSCOs. Why should I prioritize DE&I if from a talent perspective, my hair is already on fire. I can hardly attract and retain enough people to do the work that needs to be done. Why is this research important in the midst of the war on talent? Yes, indeed, our hair is on fire with the war on talent for both salary desk-based roles as well as frontline roles in plants and DCs. It's an incredibly challenging time, but I know that both you and I would make the pitch that this is the perfect time not to relent on any DE&I activities that you've already started or to start things that maybe have fallen off your radar during the pandemic, for example. You cited up front, Caroline, the incredible business case data associated with having more diverse and inclusive teams. But interestingly, with our heads of supply chain, I find that a couple of other things have been more compelling in helping them understand why it is so important to keep focused on this piece and not to let it fall off our strategic priority map. And one is that when we are really struggling to attract and retain, we can see that these DE&I processes and focus areas are absolutely crucial to helping us attract, retain, and engage the largest possible pools of talent. What we're finding is that Candidates and employees really value working on inclusive and diverse teams. And when they are evaluating whether to stay with you or to go over to your company, this is something that they are looking at. And especially that's true for millennials and Gen Z, as you know from your own research. I love that philosophy, Dana, that maybe we think of DE&I as a, a new and an alternative approach to some of the talent pressures that we're feeling today. Maybe we can see it as an opportunity rather than a burden. But I, I think this still leaves many of us questioning how. So how do we operationalize this? And one of the most fascinating findings that I found from this report was that Global companies or companies with an annual revenue of more than 5 billion US dollars and publicly held organizations had significantly better DEI outcomes than their smaller or privately held peers. So, what exactly are these companies doing? And maybe what are they doing differently? Yes. So, let's focus on why is that? 
why are they outperforming on on DE&I? Well, the biggest piece that we've been able to identify, and this was also a feature of the Women in Supply Chain survey that we've done since 2016, is that they are far more likely to have formal goals and objectives, and they're far more likely to have accountability for those goals and objectives on management scorecards. And we're even seeing in the last year or two public declaration of what these goals and objectives are for different populations in the workforce and tying, for example, executive compensation to achievement of those objectives. And what do you know? If you set some goals and objectives and you hold people accountable, which is what we do for every other supply chain initiative, right? Then people are likely to achieve those. We also saw, it's kind of a companion data point to the goals and objectives one, that because they have those goals and objectives, it's very logical that they would launch projects or initiatives to achieve those objectives. So that's the other piece. They have the goals and objectives, and then they actually focus their projects and execute those projects to improve some of the DE&I outcomes. So those are some distinguishing characteristics of the large publicly held companies. Yeah, I love that thread, though, that you you take, Dana, that's, you know, we, we I think, tend to think of DE&I as this totally different beast, but maybe we could apply the same thinking that we apply in an operation strategy and execution when it comes to DE&I, right? Imagine if we rush into initiatives without a real clear set of objectives or goals to guide us in the right direction. And this appears to be what the public and global organizations are doing really well. They have a, a strategy in place. They have a set of objectives that is, is guiding their decision-making on what to do and why they're focusing in those places. But I think, you know, objective setting isn't necessarily new. It's not a sexy space in DEI. So what can you tell us in terms of what we know works from, from years of doing this and also maybe what might be new in the space of objective and, and goal setting? That's right, Caroline. There are not many new topics um, year over year, but we have uncovered a few different things as we've matured some of this research. There are different local and regional perspectives to companies and supply chain organizations' activities and priorities around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So one thing that we've noticed in large multinational companies, these large companies that are very successful in making some progress is that they typically might have some global goals and guardrails, but they also allow and encourage local or regional prioritization of different dimensions of, of diversity. So typically in global supply chain organizations, you often see gender as a global dimension. And then you would see that companies might also focus on ethnicity and race as a dimension of inclusion diversity in in North America and Europe, for example. But different dimensions of diversity might be highlighted in other regions or other local operations. Well, we've seen examples spring up on this account over the last couple of years is looking at physical ability as a dimension of diversity and how some organizations are re-architecting their operations to try to pull in a broader talent pool that 
might include people who have different physical abilities. So one of our Power of the Profession Awards of the last couple of years that a lot of people thought was the best POP programs ever was Dell's program in Brazil, where they reconfigured their manufacturing operations when they were doing some demographic research in the communities where those plants were operating and they found out oh, look, we have a community here that if we change some of our ways of working, we could provide an attractive and safe and valuable job to a bigger group of people. That's great. Fascinating stuff, Dana. And I love the the Dell case as well, right? It's, it's a good example of how, although many of the organizations we work with and talk to have been focused on gender, uh, gender parity for, you know, in some cases a decade or longer, some are, are, are expanding their definition of diversity and what they track, like physical ability. Again, it's fantastic if we can build a strategy, if we can set objectives, if we can begin to determine a path forward. But I think the question now is, what should we focus on? Are there certain initiatives that prove to be more successful than others? We all want to know, what are other companies investing in and what seems to be working? So can you give us some insight into where supply chain leaders are investing their time and money and what actually seems to be driving progress? Sure. Yes. So some of the the interesting results here on the most effective initiatives front were things that we've seen in previous iterations of this survey. And so the most investment is going into recruitment, into learning and development, and into employee engagement types of programs. And respondents told us that those were often also successful. But what was interesting was that in other data, when we were running correlations on the survey, that where we were able to, for example, in that segment that you identified, these large global public companies, what are they doing in a successful way that's causing their pipelines for people of color in supply chain, for example, to, to be more diverse and inclusive? They did focus on recruitment, but, but that was in third place. What over half of them did was that they invested in and, and also held accountable their leaders to be thinking and acting more inclusively. So they were investing in supporting the development of those leaders, and they were tracking them and and holding them accountable. So the order of initiatives and the, the focus of the companies that are reporting the most progress in DE&I looks a little bit different from the average. And I know that you are struck by that too. Absolutely. It's an incredibly compelling data point that you know, more than 50% of, of those organizations that were really seeing progress in the the development and promotion of, in particular, people of color in the organization. It's because they were equipping leaders to, to think and act more inclusively. Um, and I think it might be helpful for us to unpack this concept of leadership inclusivity. You know, do we do this through unconscious bias training, which we see in a lot of organizations? Or, you know, what are some of the new or innovative ways that we build inclusive leaders? So, We've had some changes in thinking based on what we found about best practices over the last few years, both in the Gartner research and and in the outside research as well. So typically, the investing in in anti-bias training, which has been really widespread over the last three to five years, I would say, has not been 
on its own anyway, linked to any progress in in pipelines or or DEI KPIs. The thing that has mattered more is helping leaders. So the development activity might focus on other things. So focusing in on specific processes and scenarios, for example, or even simulations where leaders are practicing or simulating inclusive leadership in a safe environment, for example. Uh, There's a great Cisco case study that we have where they launched labs for what they call courageous conversations. I know a lot of companies have done this in the last couple of years, but this might be one example of inclusive leader development that leads to a better result. So part of the equation is developing leaders and giving them the tools and forums in which to practice and and be more successful. The other piece is to look at some of the forums where these decisions are being made and making sure that we're pulling out as much of the bias as we can. So I know that you're familiar with, for example, the idea of a bias champion or bias coach who is participating in performance management discussions, for example, who has a good relationship with the leaders in that room, does not have any of their own people They don't have a horse in the race, so to speak, but they know the situation and the decisions and and, and what are at stake. And they have guidelines for where they are monitoring and where they are able to pause the proceedings if they're hearing a biased uh, use of language or they're seeing some subjective flaw in how different candidates or employees are being discussed and they they can help or nudge people to be more inclusive and get a better DEI outcome. Absolutely. Fantastic, Dana. I think what I capture is that there's a, a shift in both the, uh, the the way in which leaders might deal with certain difficult conversations, how they empathize and, and being able to practice empathy more readily, and then creating these specialty roles that are meant to nudge leaders in the right direction when it comes to inclusion and and talent decisions. Now, you know, with these podcasts, Dana, I always like to make sure that we close out the discussion with some key actions that we think clients should be taking. So would you mind providing some guidance and maybe some next steps based on the research that we discussed today? So what I would encourage people to do is based on our findings that goals and objectives and initiatives are super important that no progress happens without those, is to focus on what would be targets that are ambitious, but targets that we really should reach and put those in transparent formats and include those on director scorecards. Some of the goals and objectives might be representational. Some of them might be the initiatives themselves. For example, many people do start with recruitment, right? We will commit to and have diverse slates, for example, or diverse interview panels would be some of those things that you would commit to and execute on a program basis. I do think that the inclusive leadership development in the next couple of years might even be more important than these recruitment goals and objectives because we're struggling so much to keep the people that we have. And 
what our clients are telling us is, you know, if we're, we're losing people to the great resignation, it's even more acute in some of these underrepresented populations. And so I think elements of inclusive leadership training could help on a number of fronts. So some of these projects where we're looking at the ideas of a, like a bias champion or even coaching and developing leaders about what it, what it means to hold a more inclusive meeting or what it means to have a more inclusive performance management conversation one-on-one with individuals could go a long way toward improving DE&I outcomes, but just also improving their overall talent outcomes. Absolutely. So let's focus on the small changes we can make to make inclusion easy at a leadership level and in our talent processes. And and let's let's see where we can grow our focus when it comes to our objectives and goals and 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 focus areas in terms of diversity dimensions and inclusion and, and equity priorities. Dana, thank you so much for joining us today and taking us through some of the findings from the upcoming Gartner and ASCM DEI survey for 2022 and sharing what leaders can do to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion in their organizations. To our audience, thank you so much for joining another episode of the Gartner Supply Chain Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the key actions Dana described today, relevant research is accessible to Gartner clients via the links in the show notes and on Gartner.com. As always, if you enjoyed today's podcast, we invite you to go to Gartner.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating, as well as subscribe to make sure you're notified when a new episode is released. This is Caroline Chumakov. Thank you all again and see you next time. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations. 